All right, so Sensei Joe, are we in the zone? We're in the zone. We're in the zone now, and we're here with uh, Travis Vance, who is um, a dear old friend. Old indeed. And I think that is the best function of this thing so far, is to be able to just talk. Like, friends won't hang out with you anymore, but if you're like, hey, I got a podcast, they'll come over. <laughs> <laughs> if he's like, hey, man, just stop by sometime. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be a guest on my podcast. So, uh, when will I be a guest on your podcast? <laughs> I think you were the, or no, I was your guest the first episode. I think that's how it worked. Um, but yeah, all right. So, Travis Vance, motherfucking Travis Vance. What is up? So, all right. So, this is the Art Fight Podcast, and Travis, you you you're sort of getting to be uh, aware, I guess, of whatever we're doing here. Yeah. Like, I, I hope that I'm the most boring guest, because <laughs> I, I am not affiliated with fighting in any way. Right. I mean, neither am I. That's true. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan, and I, right. I know about it on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's what's so interesting to me, is that we are sort of straddling this whole thing of uh, worlds that don't really make sense. But like, I was getting ready to sort of talk to you about like the, the way that Joe and I sort of came together in the first place, is we were mutually aware of each other and friendly and everything, and had been involved in a lot of mutual projects and various mutual friends and all this. And I forget when it was, but there was just some point where we were like, uh, I don't remember. Was it, was it the pod thing? Was that when it happened? I think it it was. Yeah. It was at uh, Oz Nashville. Yeah. When that, uh, what was it called? The The Tony Youngblood's, um, uh, I'm going to I'm not going to say, I don't know why I don't know. P O D S. Yeah. (laughs) So did you, you know, you were probably out of town, Travis, but I'm uh, sure I was basically, it was just a whole whole interconnected network of these sort of tunnels and sort of little art pods, modular Mm -hmm. art pods, modular. Yeah, that's right. Modular art pods. And it was a really cool sort of installation. Yeah. These like crazy pods. All these different people had just, you know, Mm -hmm. had designed completely different thematic ones that were all sort of connected into this kind of basically everybody basically made their own little like four by four, four by for art installation okay. and then they are all connected and people literally crawl through the oh. exhibition. Four yeah, that's cool. My girl my then girlfriend had a uh uh a pod in the show and Brian um was one of the performers. Oh, yeah. okay. Was this when you were doing like the Rothko thing a little bit? This is after that. After that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um but anyway, so yeah, Joe and I ran to each other and it was one of those things where it was like I don't know how it came up or what it was, but it was sort of like finding out that somebody else is into fighting uh, and combat sports and, you know, mixed martial arts fan and all that. It was like, wait, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of the woodwork, out of the closet, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, wait, yeah, it was this really is a weird. safe space, yeah, man. We can talk we can, about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think Brian, I mean, Brian and I have always like, are like, always are like, like looking at each other and talking to each other like when we see each other. It's like, Brian, let me ask you this. I've been thinking about this thing. And we'll just do that anyway. And I, it was you guys like are it was, in continual podcasts. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And this is all we did was just turn the mics on. But anyway, so, uh, but it's we, true. but we, um, but I remember when that came up, it was, it wasn't just like Brian mentioned something and I was just sort of like, mm, note to self, Brian enjoys the UFC. Yeah. It was more like somehow Brian said something or I said something and then the other one's like, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was like, so do you really know about this? And it was just sort of like, yeah, what about that thing? And then very quickly it was like, whoa, this dude knows a lot about this and and I don't know anybody who's that obsessed <laughs> besides myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something I came into probably six years ago, something like that. And it's been hugely inspiring. Was and it through Cat? Cat. Amano? 
No, but uh, she was. She's been in way deeper than I. Sure, she was way into like Pride when Pride was still happening, you right. know, and all that. Yeah, like, yeah, she's yeah. legit OG martial arts, very much, yeah, uh, aficionado on all levels. Mm. Um, I and I actually was, was kind of bummed that by the time I sort of came into that sort of awareness and knowledge on any level, not that I approached like sort of what she, the breadth of what she knows. Uh, but I was kind of bummed because, you know, back in the day when we were all spending so much time together, mm-hmm. all around each other, you know, it would have been really cool to get like sort of the yeah the 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 work in from from her about you know her point of view and all that. Um, right. So we've communicated uh, you know online about things after the fact. You know, we're all in different places now. Mm. But um, but yeah. So Joe, like I was telling you and and Travis, I don't have to tell you because you experienced it. <laughs> uh, but the way that I know sort of uh, the way that I know Travis is you know way back in the caffeine Demumbrian caffeine. Days oh, that was sort of a scene and a situation wow. back in 2004. It really was. Five. Man. That was like it was a time. It was a time, and it was right after I moved to town. Mm-hmm. And it was like if it weren't for that place, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would have stayed in, in Nashville. I might have moved to one of the coasts. Yeah, interesting. But I was like, there was such a thing happening. So this is a, this is a for people who don't know, this is like a coffee house scene yeah. in Midtown slash Music Row, Nashville. and really, yeah. actually, the earliest wave of gentrification over there. Um, totally in like the sort of weird. It's a is this a shopping strip? Like, right. oh no, this yeah. is like little cool little shops. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, but we were playing noise shows there. Yeah. There was like you wow. know Austin and Andy Alexander were around, and all the Donbecks yep. and uh, you know Logan and. You know, just so there were so many people that were of interesting, like kind of interconnected mind, mm-hmm. doing all kinds of all manner of different well, things. And Andy was booking music there, and, so yeah. it was just like it's an this, inside job. Yeah, it was totally inside <laughs> hostile job. takeover. Yeah, I mean, of the, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, I used to play every Friday up there in a reggae band for fuck's sake, right? Like, or just play like looping bass shows, right? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I had the Monday thing, and I would do looping bass, and then Friday I would go play reggae. And well, like the theoretically, you're still playing there right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually <laughs> now, no. What is it now? It's something terrible now. Oh, it's an. What it's a. It? It's yeah. a. Uh, it's like even further gentrified. It's like part of what I don't like about Nashville. It's like, uh, what do you call it? Like an IV bar. Like you go there to cure your hangover. Like they oh. give you a fucking IV. They literally give you an IV. Literally, it's like some clockwork orange shit. Like <laughs> that's what the ca- that's what caffeine is now. Yeah. So it's like they just figured out a main line, whatever, whatever happened, that was. Yeah, whatever happened to like uh, like uh, uh, Ex Benedict? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> I know. Waffle be, House. Yeah, yeah right? Waffle House. There yeah. you go. Gre- well, greasy breakfast. That's the yeah. that's how you get over a hangover. Dude, you know what I remembered? I just remembered this. Is like when you used to come in and we like first met and I like didn't know anything about you at all. The first thing I knew about you was that you ordered the weirdest sandwich of anyone that would come into that place because <laughs> we had this weird tuna salad that was really spicy and you'd just get it like all with like the weirdest shit on it you'd be like yeah i want it with banana peppers and olives but then like <laughs> huh. I, I don't know why that just stuck out in my head so weird sandwich guy yeah you were a weird sandwich guy. Be- becomes like becomes like have a, you heard his album <laughs> <laughs> becomes spiritual brother musical confidant exactly yeah. funny how that works mm-hmm. yeah like that's um that was it was so and it's funny when you try to when you look back at things like that i'm fascinated with just uh and have been obsessed with the notion of nostalgia and what that all is and it's become sort of like a something i just have really wrapped around everything that i'm doing creatively there's because let's see uh so when you hear a song like boys of summer by don henley 
and you hear that. So when I heard that song back when I was in seventh grade or whatever nostalgia. it was, like it had this it had this preeminent quality of nostalgia instantly as it was a new thing, right? Sure. When it was new, it felt like you had experienced the time and place, or it reminded you of something that actually it couldn't because it just now exists. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's really what I've been sort of like tethered to in my mind is like this idea of making new nostalgia Mm -hmm. and like that's to me like the 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 paramount or the north star like the Mm -hmm. like if i make something and immediately it feels like i don't you know like like that kind of thing um uh so anyway nostalgia i'm just sort of obsessed with as a concept because i think it has so many weird um chemical and deep running kind Mm -hmm. of qualities and it obviously relies on memory which is obviously you know like a sort of weird opaque kind of we don't you know so anyway uh, well, I, and i think it's a product of getting old yeah right you know like because i'm right go. there with you like yeah i'm you know i'm getting into late 30s yeah <laughs> and it, i know <laughs> that's I'm, so young bro <laughs> i know I, I know but still you know i think about how is the hip holding up oh man mm-hmm. it hurts but the, where i've come to creatively is sort of the same thing i'm, I'm not even trying to create new nostalgia i'm just like Oh man, I have all these cool soft synths, and I just want to make like weird synthy stuff that I liked when I was four years old. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was hip. You know, the like, essence of whatever first turned you on in the first place exactly. to sound or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like through your twenties, you're trying to recreate like your fuck jams, right? Right. You know, yeah. like, like the things that you started having sex to. Yeah. Like that's there are studies about that. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> like oh man, when you first start banging whatever you're listening to that sticks with you the longest and then when your music 20, was fucking great it was fucking yeah. awesome and then as you get into your 20s, but if you ask whoever else was involved maybe their memory is not as positive right <laughs> wait it was great for like one minute no but uh wait so but before we, like so um that time caffeine mm-hmm. sort of nostalgia i guess i just wanted to kind of posit this notion of i wonder the truth of that um because i feel like there's part of your being that kind of almost forces or compels to romance um i think it's like a weird i feel like we have a weird brain function or something that actually is sort of self-healing there's some sort of a self-healing aspect of consciousness in a way where because you can remember things that were that really sucked positively right like high school or whatever whatever it is like you can you can think of stuff that was just so bad and find like humor and positivity and and the the negativity of it never really keeps with you it just kind of it shaves off over time so i guess um that doesn't mean that like i think about like the time that we're that sort of zeitgeist of you know nashville and and the and you know 10 years ago 13 years ago Yeah, yeah um you know like but it really was in my, I, so I'm always, I guess I'm more saying is I'm careful to, or I'm considerate of my, or I'm aware of myself when I'm thinking back like that, like, am I romancing this or whatever on some basic level? And, and uh, I think that was very much a real, um, powerful time for a lot of people that all sort of coalesced at the same time and then spun out. And then what's really interesting too is that, you know, the beams have landed everywhere, right? Like all those totally. people. And I, I know that, every, and this is a cultural or a, uh, experience. I'm sure a lot of people could identify with, like, yeah. I mean, you grew up with your friends, and then you all leave, you know. But, but it was like weird because we were we were all coming from completely different places, right? And it wasn't mm. like there was 
school or it wasn't where we were all from. Nothing it institutional. Just it was literally the first day job I had in Nashville that I didn't quit two weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then it was like, oh, there's all these cool folks that work it. Wait, everybody's into music and art, and like, holy shit, this is a thing. And now, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you on the like over romanticizing that time because I potentially, think of, yeah, yeah. I, when I think back on it, I'm like, oh man, that was such a awesome time for me to like one dig roots in nashville mm-hmm. you know i'm meeting andy and austin and those dudes are from here so they know a lot more about this place i'm going to spring water to watch crazy ass noise shows with those dudes and right I'm like, they're oh, like this is dave cloud yeah, yeah. oh man may he rest yeah. i was like dude yeah. this is not the nashville i thought i was moving to i love this yeah you know and it was really important uh but then as far as my own creativity mm-hmm. and own outlook i look back on it and i'm like god i was so dumb just so dumb. I had no idea. Well, it's funny that you bring up like spring water and things like like that. Like there was there was a really rich, vibrant, I think sub subculture that was happening. And it's hard to say whether it's like is that still happening? So it, I wonder what I even thing. would I even be aware mm-hmm. right now if that is still happening? Probably not. Right. Because like how in touch am I with like what's on a Tuesday night at two in the morning at the spring water? Like oh, I don't sure. know. Right. I yeah. mean, it could be fucking mind-boggling, uh-huh. you know, like as things were sort of in that current back then. Right. So I think it's interesting too to sort of like like think about that. Like it know. was absolutely this amazing counterculture to all that was Nashville at that time, which yeah. was still like you know baby baby steps into gentrification. Yeah. Uh, and then as far as like what I was here to do, the music industry side of it, it was like. Man, the biggest things going were like Big and Rich right. and Toby Keith right. and, and Kenny Chesney. You know? So why would you aspire to... Yeah, I was yeah. just like, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm going to split. But then I found this amazing counterculture of dudes yeah. who were the very answer to all that and this is and this is after like you you, so you went to berkeley right like you're you're a well-studied well-trained like high-trained professional musician that by the time you were here you were already fully trained like you were a very i knew too much about music right yeah like you were you were an insanely adept Mm -hmm. musician as opposed to just like hanging out with a bunch of stoner guys that are kind of figuring it out and learning as you go and figuring out like what chord positions this doesn't make my hand cramp so let's just do this song here like whatever you know <laughs> you know what i mean like the, no, thing, the yeah. things that drive innovation right like you, you know, usually it's constraints but uh right but uh but you were a sort of a uh, an expert you know playing with people that were definitely really talented certainly unique visions unique outlooks but none of them had the formal training level that that you had but you so you were but i just position. thought that what they were doing was so much cooler than anything i was right. going to come up with that i was like it's cool and that's and it was true that was true it was true yeah. yeah i wasn't going to come up with anything that cool yeah like what was it the doomers 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 man yeah it was just this nine-piece noise band, and they were doing the coolest, most terrible, awesome shit I'd ever heard. And they were doing that at Caffeine? They were doing it at Springwater, but Andy... We, oh, and the end. And the end, yeah, yeah, sometimes. Dude, do you remember Mr. Natural? Yeah, of course. Dude. Guy played like a root yeah. with a bunch of contact mics on it. Yeah, and he would play at Caffeine, mm-hmm. and he would just... Yeah, he would either play a root, or he, he had this Oh, you're of, talking about... Yeah, uh, John Sharp. John Sharp. Away. Yes, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. I just found out he passed yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, that was a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Natural passed away? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how. I just... I like, used to... I worked with him years ago, and uh, when he was living on Belmont, that's when he built that crazy thing. Yeah. And it was just like an armature with like strings on it, right? That's exactly right. I mean, right. basically, and yeah, then yeah, he yeah. would just play it like a crazy guitar kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, he would just kind of like <laughs> bang it. And then, yeah, and, and there's then all it, these pedals hooked up to it and shit. That was his. I mean, so- it would change too, right? Mr. Natural kind of, passed right. away. I didn't know that. I know, yeah. totally nuts. 
Yeah. And then uh, he, had huh. a, he had a roommate. He's remembered right now. In right. this moment, yeah, yeah, for doing something good. really unique and yeah, totally. And, and did you? I don't know if you remember. At the end of every show, he would just like after you know it had reached this insane cacophony, <laughs> and the pedals are all like everything is dimed, yeah. and it's just this insanity. <laughs> yeah. And then he would just sort of pull the plug and scream, "Mister Natural!" That's right. That's <laughs> right. Throw. I forgot stuff. about that. And at one time, he threw I a lobster. About that. Out at me, it hit me in the head. Yeah, an actual and lobster. And, well, no, like a little like toy weird oh, yeah. Yeah, lobster yeah. thing, and it's on one of my studio monitors. Man, I'm awesome. just like, yeah, Mr. Natural still lives in my new in my studio. That's amazing. And yeah, when he would do that, when he would finish a show like that, it wasn't like he was yelling into a microphone, Mr. Natural. Right. No, he was just all this, like it's you were just, just being met with this absolute dire wall of sound forever. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when he just pulls the plug, and then it's just this small voice from yeah. like sixty feet Mr. back. He's, he's like yelling emphatically, but it's quiet. It's the weirdest. Like it was such a that was such a really cool sort of signature mm-hmm. punctuation to mm-hmm. what sort of a experience it was to to see him do his thing because it wasn't so much about like oh here's my I handcrafted this instrument and blah, blah, you know and 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 seeing you know all the in, like it's not about like the accuracy of the musical intervals oh, no. or how it relates yeah. to other instruments. It wasn't anything like yeah. musical in that way at all. It mm-hmm. was a, a fucking like uh, noise mm-hmm. tornado of awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was in a way. It was a fight. Mm-hmm. You exactly. know what I mean? It was combative. Like it was combative. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was something I wanted to like kind of bring up. In yeah, the realm of like art and yeah. fighting. It's like I don't fight. I don't do MMA. Mm-hmm. I watch a little bit. Actually, the extent of my watching fighting is hockey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they're they're cutting down on it. And it's yeah. not. It's not. It's, it's yeah, not the same. It's not the same at all. But I see real art. As a fight. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if it's subtle and it's not beating your head in, there is a combative nature to real art mm-hmm. that pushes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, well, and, and also, like, I think it's, you know, anybody that we've talked to that's deep martial artist, it's, I mean, and if you talk to really anyone that's a deep sort of martial artist, they're just going to be like, it's all about you. It's not like all this other acknowledgement of exterior forces almost matters not Mm -hmm. um so when it comes to creating or you know being an artist or whatever you want to say um man like just people don't people are like god it must be really hard to try to do all the things you're doing or whatever it's like you have no like this is you're just seeing like the last trickles of productivity after like deep prolonged periods of (laughs) self-hatred and uh and uh like picking myself apart and trying to find these truths and and then freeing my mind and then building constructs again in my mind and then wiping those out and then being like, no, 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 turn around and go the other way. You know, like you just the, the constant quest and the constant wrestling with because you want to believe in some spiritual sort of oneness or thread that just is like, I just follow this muse in some way. But fuck, no, it's oh, not God. that, man. It's like you're 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 battling with reality. Uh, just to exist, you know, and then try to synthesize that into something productive about that is some yield or some portrayal of whatever it is that you make. I mean, okay, let's put your burden on that. Oh, and then you're going to put your name on it and then you're going to associate it to some entity or not like, like all the fucking, uh, like, uh, modulations that the initial instinct of wanting to do something progressively moving forward to arrive at some truth or whatever it is. It's fraught with just utter mirrors and bullshit. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. So it's yeah. a fucking, it's a fight. It yeah. is a fight. Yeah. I think. I mean, 
thinking about what you're saying, you know, like trying to build these constructs up and like, oh, I'm just following this thread and, you know, just, you know, whatever. Mm. Like, I mean, a little bit of history history with us, you know, you knew me when I was in an indie rock band Mm. and that was like it, you know, Band of Brothers, we're going to go out and we are going to be four guys. Real band, a real band, no mercenaries, real believing, like unified band. Totally. Yeah. Uh, And very good. Thank you. And really innovative writing, everything, everything that was going on. It It was was a nice balance of a lot of things. Like the the biggest problem was like so many, we had no fucking clue how to make a dollar doing it. Mm. Yeah. Like not a, not a dollar. Mm. You know, we were just like, man, it doesn't matter. It'll all fall into play. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I was like looking staring down the barrel of 30 years old. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I got to make a dollar. Like Mm. I'm trained at this, you Mm -hmm. know, like I went to school to do this. I've given this like seven years, Mm -hmm. you know, and we've had some amazing shit and we've made some incredible music that I'm always going to be proud of doing. And it was always the give it your best shot, you know, as a group fighting ourselves, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. But then I was like, man, I gotta make money. And this is the this is the Oblio band. This was Oblio. Okay, yeah. yeah. We mm-hmm. were talking. He was. We were going through this. I looked you up earlier just so I would know who you were and what you had done. And then we were talking about it earlier, and he said that he had worked with your band when it was called Oblio. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, and man, I loved that band. But it was just. I love that name. It's good. It was. It was a and it fit. It did. You know. Mm-hmm. It did. But then I had to go and become like a hired gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but, but, but also, well, I'm sure you can look yeah. at it back then or look at it from here and go, okay, we were having a lot of fun. Yes. And we were being very silly. Yes. And we were entertaining all kinds of madness and uh, brilliance and all the things. Like it was a, it was, you know, again, like looking back to the spirit of a time or whatever. I mean, I was there with you guys yeah. for a, a, a part of that deeply. Mm-hmm. And it was. Like it was and entertaining. A, all that stuff has helped. Yeah. I think at least me, Terry, and Ben, like the three guys that ended up in the band at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, the three of us have sort of we got all of that out. Restraint mm-hmm. is now the name of the game as you get older. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we we left no stone unturned creatively. Yeah, yeah. And to you know to our own faults, I guess mm-hmm. it, it just. Oh, is it a fault? I mean, it's, to me, it's a total success well, because you had yeah. that experience. A lot of people got to experience it and you got, you made, a, you know, several records. I mean, right. So, I mean, to me, it's like one of the most successful bands in history. They still have our just pacements because, up in the basement. So I, I feel, see, there you go. You know, There's always about, something. They still have what? Now? Our posters up in the, uh, in the ceiling of the basement. There you oh, go. really? Interesting. Like, I, I've been to the basement a couple uh-huh. times in the last few months and I, Hadn't been there in years and looked mm-hmm. up and I was just like a little touched, you know? Yeah, you're like, yeah. man, I, it's so cool that I worked seven years to become part of just some wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In its own way. Yeah. yeah. But call it a monument. Right. It, but, but it absolutely right. is. Man. But the, no, basement, was, the basement is a music venue in Nashville. Yes. Anybody who doesn't know that. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Not just my house or something. Right. <laughs> Not just, uh, yeah. yeah. I still have a poster up in, <laughs> in my basement. basement. Brian, I'm so glad yeah. you still have our poster up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my yeah. wife took it over as an office, but I still have my poster up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really awesome, you know, popular venue in Nashville. Yes, yeah. and a lot of cool people have played there. But yeah. so, you, so you made that turn, though. So you, right. you, know, you, you had to, and, and I, I know that like that I wasn't abandoned art in essence. You know what I mean? Well, I had, it was the art versus commerce coming to this like insane head. Yeah. Well, I wish you could have heard when Joe and I were talking earlier, and I was sort of giving him the, the Travis rundown. Uh, you know. Uh, I just basically told Joe, like, please don't talk about this subject or that subject. <laughs> no, no, just, just don't talk <laughs> about. It. Yeah, but uh, but I, I was basically saying uh, what I, what I want to really get out of you in this conversation because this is where we're just trying to pull things out of your brain. 
Um, but I, I'm really interested in, in the process of making that turn because, like I said, you started with Oblio um, well above the curve of what was going on, but just didn't have necessarily the right experience to m- marry with it not experience like musically or but just life experience right. and human experience whatever yeah, it was professional but, experience yeah. yeah and so like you but once you kind of got to that point and you had sort of that that experience and then now you're looking for the sort of the next thing to sort of actually cover bills or right what is the more i went to school for this yo like I, this is not something where i'm just gonna put it down and go whatever so like this is what you do this is what you're trained to do so then uh i'm really interested in the, the part of the process that is the part where you you had to reconcile because here's the thing like that band being brothers you know i know that that was not an easy thing to walk away from and was certainly like a, a real relationship to walk away from and a lot of probably emotional and situational work to sort of make that process happen and probably very depleting and very exhausting not because of any negativity but just the nature of its outcome right and right. then and then you're sort of turning forward and going okay and now i got to go into this thing which i haven't really fully founded yet or do I even really know what it feels like to succeed in this new area that I've turned into? I don't know. Like maybe I'll get there and this will be the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And I'll want to like, you know, regret everything or whatever. Um, But what I think is interesting just to kind of fast, fast forward is that whole arc from being in that stage of just getting out of Oblio to all of a sudden being in this place of like, you know what? I crossed some chasms here in my professional bass playing country gigs. Right. But now you're among just players and people that love music right. and people that understand music and speak your language about music and you're really other it's like you you know you, you found your crowd in this particular way i would imagine right. I, i'm just theorizing here but it seems like that you've really found this place well, that's yeah. a quite natural outcome so anyway that's that whole trajectory i think is an incredible uh I'll, you know that's what the last seven eight years of your life yeah. maybe uh eight yeah because last oblio show was 20 10, eight uh, no so seven years end of 2010 um yeah man well thanks for saying all that but it was it was definitely all those things like i'll kind of try and make it brief yeah there was a couple of years like the first two years where i was just hustling you know like literally saying yes to anything i could you know i play bass and i will take your money to go play bass i don't care what it is i yep. don't care what style of music it is i don't care where the venue is i don't even care i don't care yeah just give me dollars to play bass <laughs> and i will do that and i will do the shit out of it yeah. you know like i do homework and i will show up for the worst gig still over prepared yeah mm-hmm. so and that's how i think you ultimately do anything right in the world as a yeah. freelancer right you yeah. just show up extremely over prepared with a decent attitude and mm-hmm. you'll be fine you know yeah especially as a bass player it's like man it, a, a early on do you remember jay weaver yeah he used to hang out at caffeine too yeah. uh mega pro bass player who played for like dolly parton mm-hmm. stuff first couple of years in town i was like man what's what's something you could tell me and he was like man just two things like if you get noticed you get fired and stay off anything above the seventh fret on the bass that's the dusty part of the day. <laughs> <laughs> dusty part. nothing dusty to part. Yeah. nothing to see here nothing to see here it's the summer home you go up and visit but you don't want to move in you know uh so anyway you know just trying not stay to be no, stay yeah, here. So it's stay like, in the shadow down, right and, yeah literally Mid-hat stand done. in the back of the big stage just don't nobody nobody hired a high mid-range player no yeah it's it, this isn't the don henley gig <laughs> right uh, that's right. But, but yeah, it was a couple of years of just like hustling, saying yes, whatever, seeing what was going to stick. 
learning all about a different culture of music and touring because I'd been in an indie band where you go and you play with other friends' bands and then you like crash with the sound guy if you didn't make enough fucking money. At the, yeah. You know, now I'm like, if I'm not on a bus, I'm at least there's hotel rooms and it's all you know, there's pro, there's pro, yeah. yeah. I'm like, whoa, this is a whole other thing. I knew this was out there because mm-hmm. I had sort of trained for it and got sidetracked <laughs> for about ten years. Those buses would always pass us when our band van broke down. Straight up, yeah. So now I'm doing that, and then I end up, you know, getting getting out of, like, doing shitty casino gigs. And actually, I was with a really good wedding band for a while. Wedding bands are fun. If you do it right, if it's, like, a good set list and you mm-hmm. get along with all the dudes, like, weddings are awesome. Because mm-hmm. you get paid good, yeah. and they feed you, and everybody's drunk and dancing and having a yeah. good time. Like, unless it's a shotgun wedding, which yeah. these guys didn't book, so it was great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as I moved out of that into doing more, like, artist gigs, like, art, you know, quote-unquote artists who have label contracts and things. And I'm right. now more of like a, okay, I'm taking money from labels. This is okay. Getting, getting more into what I think I should be doing. Then I ended up on the gig that I've been on now for seven years with this guy, Thomas Rhett. But even then I got onto that and he was sort of, you know, new and it's a sort of broken well, yeah, country that's, act. Yeah. That's the thing is like you said, this guy, Thomas Rhett, but it's like, I mean, he's up for, it, he was up for a Grammy this year. He's kind of like, I mean, yeah, this, no, he's a very well known country yeah. star yeah. of yeah. the time, right now. And right. your shows are like some of the largest live grossing country shows in the country. I'm playing 21 NFL stadiums this summer. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> That's to awesome. me. Like, I mean, <laughs> when we talk about it in the frame of like, I used to hang out at these noise shows at a coffee shop that I used yeah. to work at. Now I'm playing NFL stadiums this summer. Yeah. It's wild to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the turning point when I was finally like, you know what? This is all okay. This is a true story and I'm not bragging. So we, I mean, (laughs) second year on the gig with this kid, you know, he puts out a record and we're doing promo. We're doing national promo and we end up on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Three months before he's about to go off the air and we're like, oh, you know, Tonight Show. Wow, this is is a thing. And we go and we all sit in the, uh, up in the audience while Ricky Minor and the band are practicing. No joke, I see a dude playing trumpet who I went to Berkeley with. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm like, funny. holy shit, Ray's playing trumpet, you know? And uh-huh. we're watching as they're running the songs. And it's, to me, just fascinating watching. I mean, fucking, uh, what's his name? Dude who played on Thriller and on the Daft Punk records. Paul Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. was in the band. And I'm just like, oh my God, that guy's over there. This is incredible. Ricky Minor turns around and he's sort of like, yeah, yeah, I see you guys creeping up there. After we're done, come down, say hey. Uh, yeah. It's cool, it's cool. We're like, <laughs> all right. So we go down, we're saying hey. Uh, and he's like, okay, who's the bass player? And they all sort of point at me, and I'm like, oh. he's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And then he's like, who's the band leader? And at the time I was, and he was like, oh, all right, cool, man. When they all split, you're going to hang. We're going to talk for a minute. I was like, oh, wow. Wow. Okay, this is crazy. So they all split, and I'm talking with Ricky Minor, and he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I have no idea who you guys are. Like, what's the deal? Like, <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> and I'm like, nah, man, it's, it's, I'm just playing with this pop country dude, like, whatever. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not whatever. You're playing the Tonight Show, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't say whatever. Yeah. He was like, I was Whitney Houston's band leader for 11 years, right? Wow. And all my buddies were always like, Ricky, man, why are you playing some real shit, man? Why are you out there playing that pop shit for old ladies, man? Why you aren't? Why, why aren't you playing some real shit with us? And he's like, mm. Because I can go out there and play all that, and then I can go home and I can play real shit in my living room with my kids. Mm. I was like, Oh, oh, wow, you got that right, Ricky Meyer. That's... I like you. Mm-hmm. You got that figured out, buddy. Mm-hmm. And th- that stuck with me. And yeah. that's sort of how I do things now. Is like, but at the same time, my gig turned into like a really awesome gig. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bass player's dream out there. Blew like, up. Yeah. I get I get away with murder on stage as yeah. a bass player. 
everybody's awesome in the band. I mean, it's like a fusion band. Mm. Like there are some incredible players in that band. Mm. It's it's great. But then I still just come home and like, you know, hang out with my kids, send them off to school and like tweak synths in my basement all afternoon. Yeah. Mm. Like manage to sort of subvert my gig long enough to where, Oh, it's mm-hmm. actually a real gig. But now I'm also doing all the weird stuff that the life n- normal things. Yeah. Life, normal things. Yeah. But even like from a creative artistic standpoint, like the things that I was most into during the zeitgeist of caffeine, like yeah. not making noise per se, but like, you know, doing avant-garde, avant-garde music. weird yeah. electro stuff that yeah. makes me happy. Yeah. My, and I don't have the impetus to make a buck at it. Yeah. Which is, pretty amazing mm-hmm. and and yeah coming from that was the the ricky minor thing though in your to answer your your query about like mm-hmm. where like how did that sort mm-hmm. of change i mean there's a million that was sort of like a fulcrum of that it really was yeah. after he was like dude whatever you're playing the tonight show i was like holy shit you're right man i am playing the tonight show like what? maybe maybe i should i wonder how maybe many, i should what stop other, being ashamed of the fact that yeah, yeah. i gave up succeeding on this, fear yeah. of failure or well, a fit Fear of succeeding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And it was even more like, okay, I can stop being ashamed of the fact that I gave up on my mm-hmm. band with my brothers. You it's know what I mean? Yeah. And it's interesting, man, because I'm good. You want, eh, nah. I think, uh, I think, uh, uh, thank you. I think, um, but I think, yeah, you know, for me, this kind of, uh, you know, just had this thought is that like, um, I like that we got into talking about the idea that art itself is is a struggle, is a fight, right. you know, and that's definitely that's part of like our tagline that we're always kind of explaining the show with is that the, the fight in art <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know the fight to make great art, something like that, you know. Um, but I think you know it's interesting because like you you sort of set up like the idea of like art and commerce like at odds with each other, and certainly it often feels like they may be. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, oh, I under- sure. everybody understands anybody who's on either side of that equation understands mm-hmm. the odd bedfellows that are happening when these things come together but as an artist i feel like that's like you've got to find a way to to deal with that the best you can and i think the fighting example of the best way to deal with that is like a judo style that you need to have in regards to the commerce part of it like you've got to find a way to like let the money sort of knock itself over somehow <laughs> you yeah, know what i mean no i get that because on some level you've got to take it down because right. you've got to have the money or right. you can't make the art like on some level you need to buy buy your time buy your gear or whatever right. the fuck you That's need right. you need money man right <laughs> you know yeah. it's just true <laughs> and on some level it's like you know i i think um i think that like that getting into that freelancer mentality that you're talking about it's like it's like you get you end up being very creative about how like th- having the creativity to solve those problems is like is like a huge it's a huge it's a huge part of what an artist does like yeah. just solving the problem of being an artist existentially <laughs> you there's know? an art to that you know yeah, yeah. you and yeah. you you end up coming up with like you find ways to turn your projects into things that are like Oh, the thing I want to do, but the thing I can get sponsored or underwritten or, or the thing I can turn into a product I can sell, you know, uh, you got to think of all that shit. Oh yeah. But I think, and I think it's something in your case, you're, you're interesting because you represent a certain culture in Nashville because Nashville's full of educated, um, you know, uh, sophisticated musicians. More so now than ever. I think. Yeah. I think that's true yeah. too. I feel like there's a very much like an academic sort of class in Nashville that, right. that, I didn't always see here before outside of like knowing kids who were in school here. I right. like 
and, and part of it is an age thing. You know, when I was younger, I knew kids who were in school here and they were all getting their bachelor's degrees or their master's degrees in music and composition. And some of those kids I knew and they were getting their degree in music and we were hanging out playing music together and then they were getting their master's degree in music. <laughs> and, you know, they went from Belmont to MTSU or whatever. You know? And they're like, we need some dollars now. Yeah, right. but then, but a lot of that, a lot of that, <laughs> I think low. you're right. I mean, I meet people all the time now where it's like, oh, they moved here because they just got out of Juilliard or they just got out of Berkeley or they just got out of which is you know, such a wherever. funny shift to me yeah. because when i got here man it was like dude you didn't tell people you went to berkeley uh-huh it's just like no 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 yeah it, they, nothing's like, less cool nothing is less cool they think you're gonna look at them down the end of your nose uh-huh when they, you know it was just like no no just because i can like They're read music <laughs> and count in seven doesn't mean yeah. that i don't want to go watch doomers play at Springwater, yeah. like yeah, or yeah, maybe yeah. even be in that band yeah yeah it, it, yeah now it's like totally acceptable to be yeah. a very studied and very sort of yeah mm-hmm. like you went to the manhattan new school and mm-hmm. you are a badass jazz player and you're gonna come down to nashville and see what yeah. happens like, yeah it's okay to kind of advertise that mm-hmm. yeah instead of coming down and yeah i went to manhattan new school and i play piano yeah. but like right now i'm just learning all these old floyd kramer songs so i can get a gig <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah that's uh, awesome. So there's some well, there's there's some detachment that people have to do from their sense of identity with respect to their vocation, or reconcile all the weird kind of gradients and overlaps that lie in between those things. And I think that there's, I think the higher I would imagine that the more trained you are, just because you've gone down, you've been down some path of discipline and focus for some period of your life. And in most cases, people that are going to places like Berkeley or whatever are people that have been playing for a long time right. and have really devoted themselves to it and sacrificed a lot of things um, to achieve whatever you did even before you graduated. Right. And, and like, you know, martial arts, same kind of thing, right? Like, you know, these people that are, <clears throat> that's what's so interesting about it is like these people that are fighting, they often will come from a, maybe a singular discipline of just like, oh, well, I grew up doing traditional karate because that's what my dad did. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did. And, <clears throat> and then I, you know, learned about MMA, you know, when I was 14. And then, you know, I started training mixed martial arts. I started learning how to be on the ground and fight and, mm-hmm. you know, these various things. And so here I am, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And then we've even graduated to the point now where the people, the fighters that are happening now are people that are like the new generation of fighters are people that were born of the they're sourcing the interdisciplinary working out of all of the different unique disciplines into like what is just MMA mixed martial arts. Yeah. As a true separate, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Right. So, and so that's like the new, that's, that's sort of the, you know, pedagogy, like the, 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 the pathway of that knowledge and how it's consolidating in these ways. So I guess I'm just curious about people that are maybe from your wave or, you know, our wave in some way where it's like you had to sort of, marry up a little bit to the new commerce, the new way that money moves around, the way that visual and brand and all these things are so uniquely important in ways that, like we grew up when you could just be just like a weird, ugly dude and be in a killer band. Yeah, you could just wear and, like what you woke up in yeah. and go play a stadium. Yeah, and just <laughs> kill it. Yeah. Like I saw some footage, it was like Foreigner playing like Live Aid in 1985 or right. whatever it was. 88, I don't know. And I just, I don't know how I came across that somehow on the YouTube. Foreigner playing live. But, but I was just like, what the f-? Just because the whole look of it was just insane. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, I remember when that happened, you know, but, uh, you know. So, anyway, it was just a weird thing to go back and look at. I was, I guess what I was lamenting was sort of like, what happened to, like, the weird mega world cause 
party festivals that yeah. that were uh, like the Bob. Where's our new Bob Geldof? I guess is what we need mm-hmm. or something, right? Mm-hmm. But that was such a powerful sort of force back then. So I, was, I guess that's why I checked in on it. But then when it was just showing Foreigner, I was like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> these guys. I mean, they lucked out because if Foreigner was playing exactly the same music right now or with modern interpretation or instrumentation or production style or whatever, that level of musicianship would not matter anymore right. or whatever. They were awesome, you know? Um, now, something uh, I was thinking about, like, in, in regards to... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, that's, what, that's what they were playing. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot that was that was the song, and they brought the choir out on the stage. Yeah. You know? I want to know what love is. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta know. I want you to show me. <laughs> I'm going to do the spoken word version of that album. <laughs> I want to feel what love is. Like it's a self help <laughs> dialogue. I oh, want man. you to show me. <laughs> <laughs> do, did you ever hear William S. Burroughs do that? Like he did spoken <laughs> word. That's a great. Idea. Oh man! But it was like the creepiest <laughs> spoken yeah. word oh, you've yes. ever it's heard. Awesome. Oh, oh, my favorite is uh, his whole thing where he's talking about um, if, you, if you're doing business with a religious son of a bitch, <laughs> get it in writing. His word isn't worth shit. Not with the good Lord teaching him how to fuck you. <laughs> that is pure William S. Burroughs right there. Oh no, something God. I was thinking about, about earlier, though, it's like it's all about compartmentalization, right, for me. And like I think a lot of guys, you know, because... So I've got this pop country gig that's super cool, but then, you know, I did a Lucinda Williams tribute show yeah. not long ago, and I did a Tears for Fears show, and, totally. you know, those are, like, all three wildly different, uh-huh. and there has to be, like, I've got this really good compartmentalization mm-hmm. system, I think. Yeah. So, so really quick, just so people get the idea here, about, about X, X, how many months out of the year are you out of, out of, uh, you know, out on the road with right. Thomas. So up until this year, it was 10 and a half to 11 months uh-huh. out of the year. Uh-huh. I mean, 2013, 14, 15, we just went and went and went. And yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. weekend warrior stuff, though. That's the beauty of the Nashville touring thing for anyone who doesn't know. It's like if you're in a country band, like you leave out Wednesday night, like midnight. And you're home Sunday or Monday morning. You get a couple days in town. Mm-hmm. Nashville is also very centrally located to the to the the upper, you know, like the the Rust Belt Midwest, yeah. the the South all the way to Florida. Yep, we can get almost anywhere in a day. Yeah. Essentially, it's like I think it's seventy percent of country markets are within twelve hour drive of mm-hmm. Nashville. Of Nashville, yeah. Wow. So you can. It's a great city to tour out of for yes. any musician. Yes. Yeah. So that works out great. It's one of the reasons why it's Nashville. Yeah, it really <laughs> yeah. is though. Like historically, it is. Mm. So. You know, but still, those years, 13, 14, 15, we were doing, you know, maybe Tuesday through Sunday or more and maybe get two or three weeks off. And, yeah. But, you know, Christmas, like, you'd stop December 21st mm-hmm. and you'd pick it back up January 10th, mm-hmm. you know, and so you got two or three weeks off and then you go and go and go and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so the guy I work for, Thomas, he's sort of upped his profile and he has status mm-hmm. enough to take four months off. Yeah, which Grammy status. Had, yeah, he's got Grammy nominated and yeah. CMA award winning. Yeah, and, and I think it's kind of like, what else do you want me to do? Right. Yeah, right. And, yeah, what else and, and could and I, just, I do? Yeah, and at that level yeah. too, I think it becomes, it's almost like the game, it's, I mean, just like in fighting, like it's sort of like you have these guys with their first few, you know, amateur fights or professional fights. There's a certain, certain skill level and a certain thing that needs to happen and I think for musicians who are just building that reputation it's you know can be about many things it's definitely about writing a lot if you have, right. if that's part of your thing it's about playing like crazy da 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 but then at a certain point all of a sudden it's like 
what's most important now is a great fucking record and we need to take some time to make a great record. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden it's like the priorities change because you're at that level now. You're getting Grammy nominations. And you start to risk (laughs) overexposure. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's Conor McGregor doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I don't even follow Genius fighting or f- or coward. <laughs> this is actually no. This is this is good. I, I like to hear like sort of the yeah. we, you know from the inside the people that are on the inside of the that are in the know with mixed martial arts. Then it's like the the, the terminology is like, well, what do the casuals think? Ooh. So you are demographically I am and sort of like snobbishly referred to right as like what do the casuals think like you know it's a whole different prism through which to look because <laughs> because we are so knowledgeable and no, but I get it and have our you know yeah. so anyway curious. Like for musicians it's yeah. like hey what, you know right. you write a song you think it's amazing with a bunch of dudes and it's like what's your wife think yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> if she likes it it's a hit yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, you know it's like it's good if, if yeah. she's like I don't know it's pretty dumb then yeah. I throw it in the can there's <laughs> always things like that I always, I always have the impression that if a little kid likes your music it's like that's a good oh, fucking yeah, song that's a good yeah, song if those totally. little kids like started fucking bopping immediately <laughs> then it's like you got it true. you're nailing it yeah like even <laughs> if like they don't know the words if they can kind of hum the melody you're like mm. okay yeah that so is- there's some lowest common denominator not i don't mean that in a demeaning way but like mm. there's there's some simple formula that is probably based in like the root of our most like animus selves yeah that is some there's some code and obviously, you know a lot about like frequencies and notes and scales sure. and mm-hmm. psych, uh, groove is a brain big part wa- of it, brainwave effects <laughs> yeah. and yeah, how frequency yeah. works and right. like you're 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 wielding electromagnetic um, messages. Well, I like to tell people that I am a traveling salesperson who sells air that moves ways and makes people feel ways about stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know like that's, that's a huge deal though. Like at the very least, even if you're just like I am, sort of this principal architect of this experience that is being had like that's a really that's that's a that's a sort of uh almost transcends like even if you hated the music doesn't matter like you don't hate the music but i'm just saying like even if you just thought i i couldn't care less about this but you're you're able to to guide uh some pretty intense like physical experiences for people in these stadium gigs totally you know Like that's that's gotta be any yeah it's like like, you're you're any bass head right any bass head's gonna be like how wait Tell me the specs again of that <laughs> Texas Stadium. <laughs> like, what are we playing through? Yeah. yeah. What's dead? What's what's mine? Right. Yeah. And, when, and on my gig, there's so many people involved. Yeah. That like, again, with the compartmentalization, I'm like, man, that's kind of someone else's problem. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just bring the things that I know sound good uh-huh. and do the thing that I know feels good. Yeah. And do it faithfully within the construct that another guy has built and then let these other guys who have built literally physical constructs that have, you know, speakers and they have, you know, spec the stadium. (laughs) It's their job to figure out how to blast all those waves up, you Mm -hmm. know, up and down to make people feel ways about stuff. Yeah. Ways about stuff. Um, Gone are the days when you're probably at caffeine and you're like you're like responsible for like adjusting your own totally. monitor mix and oh, man. or if there's a fucking monitor. But no, yeah, caffeine, <laughs> I don't think caffeine had monitors, but on the road with Oblio, yeah, definitely. You're like you're like you're like sort of trying to angle the actual speakers oh. so that the guys on stage can hear too. Oh, totally, we would we would like rearrange, you know, like well yeah. we can't put drums there because that's by the monitor mixer and he can't run it while he plays, yeah. so I guess uh, I'll go over there and this is gonna yeah. be weird. Okay, here we go. Yeah, the singers standing the back of the stage because somebody's got to mix the show. You can't listen to. For from back there i saw some i saw some really early led zeppelin footage that i'd never seen before that was really beautiful film from inside some weird educational venue of some kind it's such some weird school theater show probably from like 68 or 69 whatever it was very early on 
and just uh, uh, I remember like at some point uh, Robert Plant like turns around and is like scooting stuff up against Bonham's bass drum to keep it from kicking out, you know. Mm. And it was such a cool thing to see because it was like, yeah, that's Led Zeppelin dealing with exactly like <laughs> like the same like amateur hour annoying shit that always ends up happening that yeah. 10 million drummers throughout time and space have yeah. had to deal with this so, fucking where's the drum rug i don't know man just put a brick in front of it <laughs> <laughs> put a brick in front of it that doesn't fucking work yeah. <laughs> so funny man well, yeah so it, drummers are brick <laughs> yeah third class citizens oh, really yeah. but yeah so like and so what's going through your mind when you're playing a stadium gig like that where you're like okay your your muscle memory already knows everything inside out and a million times over so that you're not having to really think too much but at the same time you're having to be very attentive for sure like hyper attentive and obviously like you know i'm sure you have some uh you know well, to, as much as you have no requirements on what's happening in the in the in the house i bet with monitors you're like this has got to be right on well it's crazy how but well, like how uh, was the word I'm looking for? Regimented and controlled, all of that is show to show. Yeah, like I mean, monitors are all on recall. Yeah, so we show up and we've built an e- we've built our own mixes, and everybody's mix is different. It's just what it, like my philosophy is: just take what I need. So it's usually, you know, pretty minimal. Like I don't mm. hear everything on stage because it's like I don't need a ton of keyboards muddying up my mix. I need click me, yeah. kick drum and the guy singing a little bit just to make sure I'm following the song. But you know, it's like yeah. everything's sort of on rails, if you will. Like to yeah. use a video game term, you know, it's like like first person shooter, but you don't get to choose where you're going. You're right. sort of, it's like the old Aerosmith, like Aereo fifty one game. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. you're just following this path, <laughs> you know, that that has been preset uh musically, you know, we've it's all there. So when it comes time to faithfully recreate this in like a stadium or an arena or something, you know, the, there is a, a a level of just sort of it goes by. Like it, I had a psychology teacher in high in college who I never heard if he finished his master's thesis, but he was working on his master's thesis, which was that, and this would apply to actually MMA fighters as well, I imagine. I said that twice. But uh, anybody who is in a performance-based profession, when you go to the like moment that you start performing, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has their pre-show, pre-fight rituals, and then you, know, you have all your 10,000 hours of mastery leading up to that, but once yeah. you start your thing, you start exhibiting a lot of the same traits as someone with multiple personality disorders, hmm. which is to say you become a different person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like berserker rage for the mm-hmm. Vikings. You know, you just oh, sort of, wow. yeah, yeah. you get this like this, this weird film in front of you and you're mm. kind of it's like, like, you've been plugged into some current or yeah. something. It's like altered your brain waves yeah. or it something. It really is yeah. because you've, you know, at, by the time we're doing this show, we've run it a hundred times, mm. even before the first show, you know, we've run it and run it and run it and picked it apart. And it's a, that's why I like the gig so much is mm. that this is like craftsmanship. high intensity craftsmanship. The yeah. art is not necessarily in creating the music, but it is in faithfully recreating the music and yeah. doing and it presenting a million it. times yeah. the exact same way yeah. like a Broadway band or like mm-hmm. a and I don't mean lower Broadway in Nashville I mean like a yeah. Broadway production like a touring Broadway production you're like yeah. like Rush in 1985 <laughs> <laughs> which I never I was a Primus guy <laughs> sorry I wasn't a Rush guy I was a Primus guy but yeah it's like that's the art there and then by the time you were it's like okay downbeat bang mm. like next thing you know it's kind of over like there might be a couple of moments mm-hmm. where 
you know, oh, this is my part of the thing where I can actually look around and like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, look, there's an old guy on his phone and like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, you get like, that's the other weird thing. Doing the giant rooms. It's almost like you're by yourself. You are kind of by yourself. Yeah. It's like Keith Richards said, I can't wait to get him stage just for a little peace and quiet. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, cause that was back when he had like, you know, lots of controversy around him and it's just like, all right, cool. I'm going to get on stage they're all way out there in the audience and all those people that want to bug me about my life or like a side stage. I can just get out here and it's just peace and quiet. Like I like yeah. it. And there's no way that anyone could ask anything of you differently than what you're doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like you are committed to that moment in, totally. the, in the continuum of that moment. You're, yeah. you're resident to it. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is inextricably me and not anyone else. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, I heard one of the guys you had on the podcast, um, you asked him, you know, what's it when you're hearing your coach in the corner, like calling out like oh, your yeah. thing. And he was like, yeah, I mean, some guys, yeah, that's all they do. They just go on what the coach says. But mm-hmm. then there's some other guys who, you know, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're freestyling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then yeah. maybe that floats in a little bit and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, grab the free it's leg, whatever. It's a texture as opposed to like a guiding thing. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And I mean, every act is different, right? Like my mm-hmm. act is very much on rails. It's very much the same thing over and over again. And, yeah. you know, so to speak, the coach is calling from the corner, mm-hmm. you know? It's sure. like, it's been called before, but you just do that every time. Yeah. Because the fight doesn't change. Yeah, yeah. It's the same fight over and over again. Yeah. Whereas... That's her- a, ooh, that's a really interesting concept. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I, finishing that out and then think about it. Uh, early on in the career of, of Thomas Rhett, like, it was not this way. It was this, like, he was like James Brown, man. He had us on our toes every fucking night. It was like It was like a power trio with him at the front. I mean, it was like bass guitars, drums, and then him singing out in front. He'd sort of play guitar. Every night was different. It was like we never knew what to expect from him because there wasn't, like, lighting and production and video yeah. and, like, tr- you know... No constraints. No constraints, and he was... It was so fun to play for him back then, too, because it was just like, what's the kid going to do tonight? Like, even set list wise, it was like we knew what the first three songs were going to be and the last three songs were going to be. And then we called the rest the middle 40. We'll see what happens. He's just going to start rattling them off. And who knows if he's going to remember that first and how, you know, there's this bit where he like hangs for a minute, but is he going to hang for a minute or is he going to hang for three minutes? Is he going to talk to the old lady in the front? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then that's great. You know, like, at that point, there wasn't necessarily a coach in the corner calling, but it was like, it was on the band behind him right. to just like James Brown our way through the gig, mm-hmm. which was so fun. It yeah, was that's awesome. it was really wild time. I think there's an interesting like when you see people that really whatever the the sort of Miles Davis version of that, right? Like the like when you see footage of bands that Miles Davis is running mm-hmm. playing music in a live performance, you're looking at it and everyone like you read about it, you know about it, but when you see just all this there's more and more of this video evidence of just sort of like especially a lot of that electric stuff from the seventies, man, where it was like people were so tethered. Like Miles is just looking down and just chewing gum or whatever. <laughs> right. But everyone is like fixed on exi- like like he could look up or motion with his hand or the subtlest thing. So he had people on this like it forced everybody to get tight because it was almost like I, I like the idea in a weird way. It's almost kind of locker roomy or something, but just to be like like you're in or you're out, man. Like, you know, uh, this is serious business going on here. So, mm-hmm. and, and so that level, so it's just cool to hear like, um, you know, how 
band, band leading and structure and all of that is, to 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 have player to I'm sure to be one of the players that played with Miles during that time the Pete Cozies or the any number of endless amounts of musicians, but it's like you know they went through some kind of Vietnam type of experience that they will always bear with them in in a really good way mm-hmm. like they become a tribe or like a uh, yeah. yeah no and that was very early on in Thomas's career when I was band leading that was my style because it was like that worked for him he was just this fucking loose cannon and it was like you know there as much as I was I wanted to sort of put a show together with the limited band resources we had I mean great band but you know three guys not mm-hmm. a lot of tracks and blah 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 it was like all right the three of us are going to know our shit and we are going to be dialed into each other. So we operate as one instrument behind him. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even about like, you guys look at me for stuff. It was just look at him. Like, and it was as simple as like, he'd, huh? You could, we, we learned to read like breaths, like, okay. And then you're into the next thing. Okay. Cause he's going to pick up into this and split second decisions being made, which was super wild and fun. Wow. Yeah. And combination of, the gig changing from that to more of a like bigger production pop, you know, music kind of thing. And me having kids, I was like, all right, I don't think I'm the band leader for this thing anymore. Mm. Like I, I'm too freewheeling and kind of an old hippie in a lot of ways. So Mm. like, I'm not type A enough, not a general. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm more like a, like a, the the, the field sergeant that you like. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're like, Hey, I like it when people just like me. Well, and, yeah. and you know, by the, I, I don't like it when people just hate me, right? Or, yeah. or I, I can't deal with people hating me very well. Right. Not that anyone <laughs> like. I don't know. Maybe some people like them. I think you do sometimes. What like people hating you? Maybe a little bit. You know what? It's <laughs> it's fun. No, come on, Brian. No, it's, it's <laughs> I mean a, a little bit. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean like, I don't I don't like I don't like that kind of yeah I don't like that kind of stuff man I want I want things to just be good maybe that was the old Brian okay so now <laughs> I think we've opened up some area for further conversation um, you know but perhaps we just you know kick that can for the next time uh, okay. that you're totally gonna be on this podcast again Travis I mean, if we're ever gonna hang out again this is how I know. it has to happen <laughs> yeah right as long as it's just recorded evidence that it happened yeah. mm-hmm. like um so yeah perfect but yeah so I, I think that you're right um no wait no no I'm wrong you're wrong okay I don't like being hated sorry I'm still thinking about that one okay hold on I'm just gonna take a minute Oh, there's an airplane outside. There's, earlier, you said something, and then just as you said something, the train, train blew I don't know if I don't know if the listeners like could hear signal. the train, but the timing was perfect. It was. Like, yeah, we, you said something, and I was like, whoop, and I was like, hello. Tra- train. <laughs> it's, so, so, it's so Nashville. It's like, but I love you, Mary Lou. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I was thinking forever. about, though, care about your daddy. Like the, the other, the other, par- the other parallel of things that I sort of saw in what you were talking about a minute ago was basically like when you know you see fighters really having to have instincts for subtle movements and, and understanding tells, yeah. uh, physical tells for you know the way that someone's sort of moving their hips or not can signal in various ways, mm-hmm. you know, a kick coming or various things. You know, everybody's got these very and they're really very micro sort of a, adjustments that, and patterns and recognition. I think that they're kind of looking for. You know, I would study very closely people that were trying to take my head off too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so when you're talking about being in this band and like you know all of the just everybody having to just get on this ride and you know like. Uh, 
and as a band leader being able to drive a band you know in a way that's that's uh focused but open to interpretation there's so many uh i think correlations there to to the creative process it's like that's really that's really the that's the narrative of it to me like that it's it's you're you're constantly wrestling with how much do i constrain something or how much do i let it be free or in what order do i do various uh phases of what i'm working on or like but that's usually like the 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 push and pull of it it sort of seems to kind of start there at least yeah in my yeah mind. and i can even see a parallel to that in the great like uh legacy songwriters of our times you know like paul simons or your tom waits or anybody it's like man they have these as they go through their periods you see these pushes and pulls of mm. sort of wild you know freewheeling craziness Maybe not Paul Simon. He was always pretty in control. But, you know... Right. Like that. Wait, did Ornette do a record with Paul Simon? Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, from my hometown, Ornette. Oh, man. Well, Fort Worth, Texas native. Ooh, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, funny you bring him up. But no, uh, you know, you, you see these guys who... I'm sure it's the same with MMA fighters. Like, okay, you're in one weight class, and man, that's a whole different style of, of dealing with it. You know, when you're in a lower weight class, I'm sure it's a lot more... I, I'm assuming from my very casual is that the right yeah, yeah. my casual uh, knowledge of it, but that's that's probably when it's more freewheeling and you have no idea what's going to happen because mm-hmm. there's probably a lot more guys in the lower weight classes. When you get into the higher weight classes, mm-hmm. it's just the sort of you know big tanks. Yeah, yeah. it's a good point. I mean, you're, yeah, you're onto something there, and it's also the littler guys are also littler, and they're just more they're more athletic because they're not giant hulking guys. Fast. Yeah. They're really fast, and they can go forever. You know, where the big dudes, it's like they. I mean, not so they're getting better nowadays, but but back in the day when I first got into the UFC, whatever how many years ago, it was like. I really got bo- I got bored very quickly right after I discovered MMA through the UFC because at that point it was only bigger weight classes and I've got once I learned all I could learn uh, you know to a limit I mean obviously there's probably still a lot more to learn but basically my my interest in learning more like sort of got came up against my boredom with the fact that it kept turning into just tired guys leaning against the cage. <laughs> totally. It did. It did a lot. I mean, everybody, that's very true that that was happening. And heavyweights can fight until they're yeah. in their early mid forties. <laughs> yeah. So these, yeah. So you'd have guys who are, you know, 38, you know, that's insane. And, you know, and it's like, and it's, uh, anyway, so, so they would be like, but anyway, so, so that was, that got boring to me. And then, and then at some point I, somehow my TV situation turned out where I could watch, um, the what was then the WEC and those were smaller fighters that got absorbed in the UFC to give them those smaller weight classes but when I found that that was like my second great like wave of like being passionately in love with this sport because then all of a sudden it was all these little guys and it was insane right you never knew what to expect <laughs> yeah it was just crazy kicks and flipping and wrestling from hell it was it, yeah, it, it wasn't was fucking fascinating hell yeah it, it was like watching little boxers box when they when they fought with you know when they were fighting fist to fist it was fucking awesome oh yeah yeah and then like crazy grappling it's fucking wonderful yeah (laughs) so 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 then you know so then for you once those those weight classes were there you were like okay there's a whole like like whatever you realized oh i've only seen five percent of the whole universe in one instant when you start watching those yeah like one 145 and Mm -hmm. It's nuts. It's- oh, that's, and that's, as a casual, again, it sounds like that would be my jam. Because I yeah. remember 
again referencing our friend Kat when she when we'd hang out and she'd be like, "Oh, there's a big fight tonight," and I'd go over and it was like, "God, it was like when Brock Lesnar came in." It was just like, "This is boring. As hell. Like, this is so dumb. Yeah. Like, I'd rather actually watch WWE. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. At that, once things are at that level of absurdity, yeah, yeah. with the marquee wrestler, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like monster this, figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this uh. is dumb. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather watch guys with some finesse and yeah. and yeah, maybe maybe some two guys from completely different. Yeah. Right, like I'd like to see sharpshooters not just like we got two big ass bombs <laughs> yeah. that we're just gonna blow up. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> like that's and we don't even ex- know what's gonna happen. Like that's, that's cool, <laughs> but yeah, maybe some sharpshooters. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It's fun to watch a bunker buster go off one time. Yeah. Now let's yeah. see if you can hit that plate a kilometer away. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see some fucking snipers, man. Yeah, yep. it's 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 really it's interesting. Uh, but you're right about that, and, and it's always a thing too, where the like right now the lightweights are the are just a stacked you know division of people, and those guys are fighting at 155, right? Which means they're probably walking around at like 180, 190, or something like that. Maybe not that big, well, like 170. Yeah, but 170 or so. But but what you're talking about is a whole bunch of average sized humans. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of people who fall in that realm, that height, and that weight. <laughs> yeah, know? and who are all going to come at it from a very well. Not very different, but you're going to get a lot more variety in how uh-huh. these guys are going to match up and yeah. what's going to work against who. And it's right. much more exciting to watch. Yeah, that's true. And well, I, I find it- that that's like kind of true of like what when when you hear people our age who complain about there's no more good music coming out anymore, which you do here, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. it's like I think it's because in the same way that you've got these guys who are like normal Joes. Mm-hmm so to speak you know mm. normal sized dudes yeah. who are very t- well trained and obviously mm. super athletic but still you know you look at a guy like that and it's not like looking at Brock Lesnar and right. being like oh, okay you know? that's yeah. so relatable yeah like yeah. oh yeah Brock Lesnar physically understandable oh sure yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but you have these guys coming in and it's a much more like oh cool like I can sort of put myself in that you know picture yeah you don't have your Led Zeppelins where you're watching you know dudes on stage do the most amazing shit in the world while they're still like putting the brick in front of the bass drum, so mm. to speak. You know what I mean? Everything yeah. that comes out musically now is already so polished. It's already a bunker buster yeah. by the time it's hit the good, market. Yeah, yeah, good point. You know, point. so there's yeah. not a lot like yeah. at that point, a lot of the variety that yeah. people used to get, like especially when we were all coming up and it was the you know, wild west of the fucking grunge era when it was just mm. like there grunge is such a hilarious term to me anyway because every band was its own style of music at that point right yeah you know and that's sort of that's what sounds like it's really exciting about MMA with mm-hmm. those lower class fighters mm-hmm. is each guy sort of represents his own style yeah mm-hmm. yeah what, one thing I think by the way just about the grunge era that I think is interesting that <laughs> just I find it really interesting grunge time. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that, that, that grunge is is this sort of um uh apathetic disaffected um connotation but also even just by calling it grunge just this it's sort of like such a a placating just absurd they didn't it's not born of like the actual some movement like it was just some label of a thing that happened and then it stuck and it just and so that's like this massive oversimplification of what was happening during that time. But in my mind, that was in, in many ways, the golden age of so many types of music and things that were going on at the time. Um, and I think it's just really funny how, uh, when you were talking about that, I was just thinking really, it was actually the birth of, of sub genres that were becoming able to be more defined 
as a result of sort of that first wave that you were sort of talking about. And so then, uh, but across all realms of music, not necessarily even just like rock music or heavy music or right. whatever, like everything, like, like metal music sort of fractured up into all these, you know, it's like, Oh, now I need to know about black, like Norwegian, you know, what, right. you know I need yeah. to know these, there's these now regional or otherwise sort of nuances it's not much different. You know what it reminds me of? It's basically like what the hell has happened with coffee. Like when I was growing up, there was one place in the city that was a coffee shop that wasn't just like a diner or an IHOP or whatever. Right. There was one actual coffee shop and that was it. People didn't have this romance with coffee, you know? And so like now, like it might take you a paragraph to order your coffee now mm-hmm. or whatever. And you've got to go through like an interview with somebody <laughs> to be, to cons- you have to consult people now yeah. on, uh, the desired outcome of you. your coffee experience, right. and it's, it's like what yeah. the fuck, right? It's so a I think cup music, of coffee. Yeah. but there was a sweet spot where people—it's like wow, people started to care and thought, well, these beans come from this place and these beans come from that place, and I like these better because they're less acidic or whatever. And that's all you sort—that's of, the resolution of which you needed to look at everything. And so I think that like there's some point where it's like that's what happened with with uh with all of these things i, I think it's like a there's a, a, a knowledge parallel with all these sort of cultural activities and arts and all the things where Do you see a parallel in mma yeah because um that's that that is like really the time by by the by virtue of the, sort of the definition of mma it, it was in its it was near its, its inception or, or that was a little bit MMA started before that but in terms of like first ufc or whatever okay, yeah. right so like that was a very crude very crude uh entry into whatever compared to like this really like sort of beautifully sort of outcome formulated uh safer whatever all the things you know mm. i don't even want to get into all that but regulated so, regulated and all yeah. the things right um unless you're john jones but anyway <laughs> no but uh but basically just yeah i think that the the he takes uh, steroids. The, <laughs> oh, nice. I think there was something like about taking like people. It, it was Piano it seemed tunes. novel at that time to really sort of in a more concentrated way mix up genres for pop success as opposed to like experimentation. So born of the eighties and sort of rap and hip hop, but ne- then everything just kind of opened up. So it's just and it seems like there was a sub classification sort of period that where it was like the first. If, if there's like a taxonomy that breaks out over all that, it was like that was the first. Like, you know, the next little phase on the tree there of of knowledge. Yeah, that's why, again, for me, it's easier to just think of every band that came out for a while as their own genre. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what's your, you know... What part of grunge do you like? I don't know. I like the Screaming Trees, but I also, you know, really <laughs> yeah, like which is, the Melvins. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're both, they were both classified yeah. as grunge bands, like, well, but they couldn't that, be that, more different. That, that yeah. grunge yeah. wave, like, lifted so high that it, like, it picked up stuff that came before and after it. And before you know it, it's like all this stuff is just now considered to be grunge. Right. Because nobody knew about those bands before Nirvana started saying, we love those guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, those guys are part of grunge now, mm-hmm. which is good. I mean, some of those bands, you know, definitely got noticed and sales and concerts and probably still have some kind of career going on if yeah. they do i mean for god's sake the got, melvins still yeah. tour yeah yeah, 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 yeah. still blow god your head off yeah. god bless the melvins yeah, yeah. exactly um, i think i mean i think but there was I a lot saw, of i mean i think screaming them. trees has done stuff recently <laughs> really they? oh i wouldn't maybe, doubt it maybe i'm wrong about that but i might have just been listening to them recently i think mark <laughs> i think mark <laughs> lanigan can't they stop they changed their name to uh just to account for the times it was like a the mildly assertive trees yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the mildly assertive trees sort of 
that we're very, very serious. Is this a good time to end this thing? <laughs> it's really starting to feel like it. Um, hey, uh, T. Vance. Yo, man. I got a question for you. Yep. Um, what, a, um, when are we doing this again? But you can answer that later. But okay. also, B, um, what can you tell people about things that were places they can find? Because you've got some, you got music going on that's your own. You got, you got a lot of various I mean, man, yeah. sundry of things. Um, that's, you know what? I don't even know. That's probably why when you looked me up earlier, Joe, it was just like, I, there's nothing about this guy on the internet. Mm. Because like, I've sort I, of, can I tell people what I saw? Yeah. I literally looked at your LinkedIn page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy Travis God. has LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn I looked page. Up, I looked up, I looked up, I looked up your name, Nashville. I might have, I might have looked up base, but yeah. anyway, just just basic thing. Whoa. Found you, and then That's and then heavy. and then looked looked at your LinkedIn page. And it we hope that yeah. you're finding success in your job yeah. at Borders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, yeah, you're probably I, assistant manager by now. I, by now, yeah, I'm getting there. Close. <laughs> I mean, they tell me it's any time now. When will you go back on tour? I actually, I officially play my first show of the year. Wednesday, mm-hmm. but tour starts April fifth, okay. and then yeah, it's sort of off to the races for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we know when we'll have another record from Mister Red? No, because he just put one out in September. Okay, well, what is he doing right now? What's Let's go. Right. Move it along. Yeah. Here. What is? What tell the name of the record? Oh, okay. So his what? last record was called Life Changes. Is this the one that got the Grammy nomination? It is. Yeah. Okay. Great. And it's it's legit. Uh, if you know, as far as AF AF, as far as a a pop country record goes, it's way more pop than country. Mm-hmm. But dude knows how to put some words together. He's got mm-hmm. great producers. Like the songs uh-huh. are cool. And so he yeah. writes. Does he write his own songs, or he's part of writing the songs? Very anyway? much so. Yeah. yeah he's actually cool. songwriter for other people as well. Oh, so, okay. Like, I mean, wow. He's got songs all over country radio for Super, other people oh okay. prolific dude huh very prolific dude yeah. he's 10 years younger than me and it's like god if i had my shit together at that young yeah mm. i'd probably be doing as well as him too interesting I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're also yeah. fortunate right yeah uh but you know i think it's just it's been awesome we got more to talk about more to catch up on but um uh for now uh sensei joe do you got anything you coming up i got i don't think i have anything to talk about really I got a lot of stuff going on, but I don't have anything special to uh, share. Okay, find me. This guy's at- always releasing singles and then <laughs> cool. writing amazing write-ups. And this is one of the most prolific uh, workers uh, of culture that I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but you were saying you can find me. I'm sorry, I couldn't cut you. I was off. just going to say I'm on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm out here. Uh, yeah, but I'm on Twitter at, at Mighty Joe Nolan, and I will. I do actually have another another single that'll be coming out in a little bit. But I, I mean, that's a little ways off. So all right, yeah. No, actually, I just did think of a plug. I can I can do. I plug I'm, it away. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to launch a uh, dual uh, base gear review page oh. with a friend of mine where, uh, oh, called really? Coffee and Bass, where the two of us nice. drink coffee. And it's almost like a almost a talk show format. Where will it be video or will video? It? Yeah, we're oh, gonna start cool. like a YouTube channel. We gotta uh, tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't man. think of this earlier, yeah, but yeah, 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 we're gonna do like we drink coffee, and it's almost a talk show format where we have the gear on mm-hmm. as the, uh, the, uh, the guest. Love it, um, you yeah, know, but cool. not as cheeky as like coffee talk. You yeah, know? yeah, it's yeah. like no, we're gonna seriously review this stuff. But yeah, that's cool though. A little cheeky. Um, yeah. So there, there'll be a YouTube channel and an Instagram page and all that. Good and what's stuff. It, it's gonna be called? What? Coffee and bass. Coffee and bass. Coffee and bass. Nice. With, uh, with good, my comrade Steve Cook. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's awesome, and I'm ready to see that now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, all right, we'll just talk to you guys. Like, um, we're gonna be back. What next week? We're gonna do this again, Joe. 
I don't know. Are we doing it next week? Are we doing it on the calendar? Okay, we're going to sort this out uh, somewhere else. <laughs> Off mic. I just thought it would be an opportunity to mention something yeah. that we had forggotten to mention, but I guess there's it just nothing to mention. It might be another week because things are crazy yeah. this week. All right. So for, for more updates on Joe's schedule, uh, please visit us online or subscribe to Joe's schedule Maybe on Sunday. iTunes. Maybe Sunday. <laughs> it's called Art Fight Podcast. All right. Thanks, dudes. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Later.